Here's a little success tip for new parents. I highly recommend sleep training. Get a sleep coach or other people that have gone through the process and have a plan on how to train your child to sleep. We did that about six months. It's been over a year now that we've had our son sleep trained. And it's just the most wonderful thing in the world. He still sleeps 12 hours in the night, 11 to 12 hours, depending depending on growth spurts, teething, and those things. And he still takes two naps that usually are an hour and a half to two hours. And sometimes he doesn't take naps. I mean, again, like if he's sick or continue or whatever. But I highly recommend it. <laughs> if you're like me who needs sleep, if you, I cannot function without sleep. I was like a zombie the first six months without like eight hours of sleep, but it was terrible. Anyways, highly recommend that for you parents. And if you, and if you're not a new parent, just a parent needs to figure out how to get their kid to sleep, sleep coach might be the way to go. Welcome to HTBT. My name is Matt Williams. Thank you so much for supporting us through watching the show, sharing the show, subscribing to our social media sites. You can find them at how to build a tent. The link for YouTube is below. Still can't get a customized URL. So if you search for how to build a tent on YouTube, which is frustrating, you'll have to go through like 20 literal tent building channels, which maybe some of them are good and worth looking at, but it takes a while to get to mine. That's a little frustrating. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. You can email me, Matt, at howtobuildatent.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast network. Go over to fightlaughfeast.com. Put in HDBT in the memo field, and you'll get a mug. You'll get a mug, not this mug, but I'm using this mug specifically to show you what I'm talking about. So sometimes I say like it's a big mug where you can fit all four of your fingers. This is what is like standard for me. I can, and for those of you who are only listening, I'm showing you how many fingers I can fit in the handle. I can only fit three and my pinky is just like in no man's land down below. I don't know what to do about that. So I'm really, I really love my mug. It's 15 ounces and you can fit all four fingers in there, which is more important. I mean, you can always get a refill. But the fact that it's 15 ounces, which means that I can, I can fit all four fingers. It's really nice. So you get that. You get tons of great benefits. And plus, you'll be supporting us, helping us proclaim the Lordship of Jesus in every area of life. So this last weekend, I got invited by a listener to come hang out with them. They get together once a month, have dinner, go to a cigar bar, talk theology, so I went, and it was really great. But what was really funny about it, and I get this all the time, that when people I come to eat and meet with them, they expect me to be this master in Reformed theology and this expert in Reformed theology because I'm on a Reformed network, right? The Cross Politic guys. I'm on a show, Reformed Jellical with A.D. Robles. And then when it comes out that I don't even know if I would consider myself Reformed, not that I'm against being reformed. I just have, you know, my own ideas about things. I don't like labels per se. It's like this real shock and awe that comes over them. <laughs> but I bring that up to say this is we had a really good conversation about culture. And it just happens to be something we just talked about in our show uh, last time. And I wanted to add to it because we were talking about it specifically in the black culture because we were in an area that has a significant culture, um, a black culture, significant Hispanic culture as well. And one of the people there was this police officer. He's a black guy too. And 
he, we were just trying to figure out like what, how do we break the cycle? Because there's this, the culture itself is reproducing the same problems over and over again in the poor communities that he works in. And we'll get to that in a second, but I want to talk to you about Twitter for a second, because I don't think a lot of Christians realize this. And I was talking about them with Twitter as well, that Twitter is the public square of today. It is where Big Eva, Reformed people, social justice people, SBC, PCA, Doug Wilson, all of, pretty much all Fight Laugh East, AD Robles now because I got him back on there. Pat myself on the back for that one. This is where ideas are discussed, debated, which is interesting because it's tough to debate with the limited character restrictions, but it is the place where these ideas are being espoused, contradicted, the Bible's being supported, the Bible is being fought against, the word of God's being attacked, the church is being attacked. And I was talking about it, and I want to share this with you too, of the importance of being engaged in culture in the town square, in all of our cultures, in every culture that we are in. We need to be engaging. We need to be proclaiming the Lordship of Jesus, the authority of Scripture. And Twitter is one of those places that this is happening. And if you go look on my Twitter right now, no less than 24 hours after we had that dinner, which if you're listening to this on Monday, that it was happening over the weekend, where we had two black pastors retweet a John MacArthur clip that I created from his sermon responding to Beth Moore about women preachers. And they made it a racial issue, which is funny because John MacArthur doesn't talk about race once in that sermon. But yet we have these pastors preaching critical theories, social justice, Marxism in their churches, their pastors, large followings from what it looks like on Twitter. And they're talking about how much hate that John MacArthur has and how he's a racist. And if we as Bible believing, believing faithful to doctrine, faithful to orthodoxy are not there to contradict this, then it just is going to be an echo chamber for them where it's going to reinforce to their followers, to anyone who sees the conversation, that what they are saying is true. There needs to be a counterpoint. Now, I'm not naive to think that I'm going to be changing anyone's mind, but hopefully people like me who are defending the Bible, who want to apply the Bible as best as we know how to our lives, to our culture, to our communities, hopefully people will see the counterpoints to that. And I bring this up because, again, going to the cultural discussion that we talked about before uh, with these guys, it was Friday night. I was asking, like, what, what can we do? How can we reverse the culture? Like, how can we influence the culture? And this man, uh, I'm just going to call him Daniel. I won't tell you his last name. But he said it's going to take a long, long time. And I think he's right. Serious change takes a long time. Culture is like a big cruise ship that takes a long time to turn. It's either going to take a long time, a long period to either have the old guard die off that is influencing the culture, that are the leaders of the culture, and have a new wave with new ideas to come in and to influence the culture, or it's going to have to be some supernatural act by God. Luckily, I'm not a cessationalist, so I believe God can do it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just like, just having fun with you guys this Monday. But it's going to take a long time. And the other thing that I want us to see 
and I hope for you to understand and be able to share with people as well, is that you can become a victim of the cultures you're in. And I'm not talking about systemic oppression. I'm not talking about anything that anyone else is doing to you. But what I'm saying is that when all you hear is that you're a victim, when all you hear is that someone else is holding you captive and you have no power, then you're going to start believing it. And you're going to start feeling that way and living that way and thinking that way. And what the Bible talks about oftentimes is we can be deceived by our own thinking. We can be deceived by our own actions. When we're hearers of the word and not doers, we are deceived. And deception is a serious thing. Even when we're talking about the women pastor issue, Paul talks about women not being pastors because they were deceived in the garden. It was a Genesis 3 issue, not a cultural issue. And so I want you guys to be aware for yourselves and when you're talking to other people too. We talked about it last time how it's not just one culture that influences people, but several cultures that influence people. But people can be victims of the culture in the sense that their minds and their thoughts and their vision and how they see the world are being skewed by it. And when we are preaching, we being these people that are retweeting the culture, the critical theory culture, the critical theory philosophy, the philosophies of man, the Marxism, when they're retweeting this, when they're sharing this, when they're preaching it in the pulpits, they are victimizing, they are, they are destroying the lives of the people that are listening to it because they are, they see that they are helpless. They, they believe I should say that they are helpless and they become captives to this philosophy of man. And I, said that that is of Satan. I said, you are acting as Satan just in the same heart as Jesus said to Peter when Peter was trying to get him not to do what Jesus, what God's will was for Jesus's life. When Jesus was supposed to do, Peter was trying to get in the way of that. And that's what these philosophies are doing. If you just look at the fruit of, of this, if you look at the critical theory fruit, if you look at these people that are teaching that white people are racist because of their skin color, because of their European descent, when you say when you're saying that the country is racist and that you're a victim you're creating division you're creating despair you're creating anger you're creating animosity you're creating hate that is satanic satan comes to rob steal and destroy and if you step back and look at this fruit that is what's happening in these communities in these churches in these organizations and these businesses that are pushing this cultural Marxism. Look at the fruit. It's the antithesis of the gospel. The gospel is sanctification, reconciliation, healing, power, conquering. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter who sins against us. If it's hate through racism, if it's through murder of family, if it's through theft, through taxation, regulations, whatever it is, the gospel says that we will overcome. And critical race theory, these pastors that are preaching the, the oppression of white people is not preaching that gospel. They're saying you can't overcome until there's reparations. You can't overcome until the white people are taken out of power. That's not the gospel. And it won't save you. It will bring you to chains. 
any other gospel besides the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ leads to change. And look at the results. We don't have to argue it. We could just look at the results. Any honest person, look at what it has given you. These false gospels, these false teachings. And this culture is being created that is putting people in chains. I'm thinking of the Joe Biden clip where he talks about how was it Trump or was it Romney? I forget which. But he's saying you'll put you all back in chains. And it was like all this outrage because he was making a, a, a slavery reference. But what I'm talking about is not physical slavery. I'm talking about spiritual and mental slavery. And the only thing that's going to save is the true gospel. And so we need to be aware of these cultural drivers the leaders that are facilitating these chains, facilitating these wicked, divisive, evil doctrines of men, and stand up to them. And the last thing I want to say about this, because I get this all the time, is you're being so confrontational. You're being so divisive because you are not being nice. You're you're calling people Satan because they are what they're saying and their hatred and their racism and all of these things. We need to understand that the people that stand up to sinful people, sinful ideas, to false teachers are not the divisive ones. Sin is the divisive one. Sinners are the divisive ones. When you call out sin, when you stand up for the truth, you are creating a dividing line. You're not the divider. divider. You're separating yourself. And hopefully you're purging the church. You're purging our communities of this death, these sinful desires, these sinful doctrines of man. And these battles are not just happening in church. They're not just happening in Twitter. They're happening in our work. They're happening in our schools. They're happening where we're getting educated, where we're learning. We're happening. They're happening in seminars. They're happening. They're happening in where we have recognition for women in leadership, for black people in leadership. Just take out black, take out woman and put white male and see how offensive that would be. You know it's racist, you know it's sexist, and you know it's evil. Because if white people can't do it in this culture, but we do it for other races or skin colors, I don't even like saying races, we're all one race, we're all one human race. If you say it for people with blue eyes, brown eyes, green eyes, but you can't say it for the white eyes, <laughs> metaphorically, I guess that's stupid. If we say it for everyone else but white people, and if we can say it for women, if we can say it for minorities, then it's racist if we can't say it for white people as well. And that's how you know. That's how you know this whole thing is racist. That's how you know this is all bad. Because truth, the gospel, applies to everybody. It's universal. Sin applies to everybody. It's universal. We are all condemned unless we are under Christ's lordship and headship. All right, I think I've gotten into enough trouble today. But just be wise about that. Get engaged. If you're not even on Twitter, I understand. Like, you don't want to be fighting and, like, standing up. But you could like. You could retweet. Not, I'm not looking for you to like and retweet my stuff. But go like and retweet other people that are more influential that are standing up for truth. 
We need people that are, again, handing bullets to us. We need people supporting us, following, retweeting, liking, direct message encouragements. All of those things seriously help us all. Just because we're out on the front lines doesn't mean we need, don't need support. It doesn't mean that we, we don't need people lifting up our hands like they did for Moses when he was getting tired in battle. We need your help. We need you engaged. We need your prayers. I mean, we need to stay humble. Like It's easy to be in the front lines and to get carried away, to sin, to say something you regret, to say something that's in error. And I know for myself, I pray daily that that won't happen for me because I truly want to reflect Jesus and I want to be faithful and I don't want to be sinful. I want to proclaim the gospel and true love and I want people to see the truth. I want people to be healed. I want people to be reconciled. I want a unity of the church. And it's just a hard line to walk. So please pray for us, support us. We'll talk to you next time. God bless.